listening to the Washington Weekly Review. I'm the Southeast Iowa Union's Kaylin McCain. It's the week of November 27, 2021. Our local stories this week feature the vaccine mandate, a mid-prairie bond issue, and holiday meal donations. We'll also take a look at the big picture, but first, we have quick corrections for the record. Last week, we ran a story about a grant from the Iowa DOT to Washington County for a new dump truck. That story didn't have any factual errors, but it did fail to mention the grant's purpose as a diesel fuel reduction initiative, which is why it required the destruction of the older, higher pollution vehicle. We apologize for omitting that important context. Now, on to the big picture. Nationwide vehicle supply chain issues are having a disproportionate effect on local government fleets, according to officials. Jeremy Capper, a general manager at Capper Auto, which frequently fills orders for the county and city of Washington, said government orders couldn't compete. It's a shortage definitely throughout. I mean, any new vehicle. Um, what the manufacturers have done, though, is um, it seems like they're focusing more on like a retail sold order, would be, which would be like say, for instance, you came in for yourself personally to buy a, a vehicle. They're attempting to build that vehicle before they are like municipality vehicles. As a car manufacturer, the, the municipalities or the fleet side of things is um, pretty minute compared to what they sell for retail orders. And that's probably their biggest reasoning for focusing on the retail side. Capper said the problem was especially prominent for pickup trucks. I've got trucks that they've Like I said, they've told me they're not going to build them as 22s. The city of Washington had one ordered that got canceled. You know, they just flat out told me that we we ordered it as a 21, um, and then it got switched to a 22, and then just they've just told me that uh, it won't be built at all. They've shut off all fleet orders for uh, Ram, Ford, and GM. Washington County engineer Jacob Thorius said those issues had local impacts. We ordered a couple new pickups. Been looking for about a month and a half, a little longer for pickups. Um, they're just not out there. And I was recently told that you can even get them on the government orders. Uh, I talked to the different dealer on Friday and said, yes, I still can. So I ordered two pickups. Um, we've been trying to get for the last year and a half. I'm just going to struggle with COVID and supply chain issues, uh, they've been ordered and hopefully sometime in June at the earliest of next year. Other county officials, including Chief Deputy Sean Ellingson, said they were struggling with the same problem, facing wait times of over a year for ambulances, dump trucks, and police cars. Ours is that same situation. I have three squad cars that I've ordered and we probably won't get them until, I'll be glad, I'll be happy if we get them by June. Three of them I ordered um, just this week. But I have a truck that I've been waiting on since January, and they actually suspended production of it. So it'll probably be, you know, May of next year, too. So that one will be over a year on the patrol truck. It's, it's tough right now. That's the big picture. We'll be back with the local news right after the break.
Washington County Board of Supervisors pledged to resist a federal vaccine mandate at their meeting on Tuesday. Because the local government has over 100 employees, the rule would apply to county staff if it survives legal challenges. Board member Jack Seward Jr. said the mandate was an illegitimate contradiction of a state law passed in late October that bars such rules. Does a rule or regulation by a bureau or a department at the federal level supersede a law that's that's passed by a legislature and signed into, into law by a governor, where is the supremacy there? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even going to bet on how this is going to turn out. But uh, it's just a, a, an overreach, uh, and I'll say it's tyrannical by the federal government. And, and once again, I, I also, like Richard, am not anti-vax. I were okayed my father in a nursing home to have it as soon as he could get it. Uh, I assisted with, with the vaccine uh, clinics here in the county uh, a couple of different times. So it, it's a personal decision. That's all there is to it. Board member Stan Stoops also pledged to fight the mandate. I come from a generation that doesn't like to be told. And the phone calls I got this last week after the agenda came out <clears throat> came from the people of my generation, with the exception of one and the last one that called was a young fellow and he's a county employee and he said that will be my last day at the county if i'm forced to do that because i'm not going to do it well, i appreciate that and i'm going to fight it too i do not want to be told i have to do this and i'm not going to take that interim public health director chris essel warned that some county departments receiving federal funds had their hands tied centers for medicare and medicaid they're having uh, a set of rules we are all going to have to follow as a medicare recipient of funds so what that means is regardless of what the county moves forward with or does not move forward with we as washington county public health and health care on the other side of things have to follow those rules um, if we want to receive and we want to be a bill medicare medicaid va we have to follow those rules as the hospital and other entities that receive Medicare funded. The Mid-Prairie School Board approved wording for a bond referendum that would raise property taxes by 60 cents per thousand if approved by voters in March. Superintendent Mark Schneider said unanimous agreement from board members would be key come election day. It will be very important going forward as a bond issue that there is consensus on the school board what to do. This community looks to the school board for leadership. They take comfort in that. Board member Jake Snyder said it's setting the tax increase now was essential, with several popular facility projects on the line likely to sway some voters. I think if you want to be realistic to you, say you, you know, we manage to squeeze everything into this budget, what happens in five or ten years when you need something? That's my big concern if we don't raise taxes. There's nowhere to go. If we need more classroom space, which we know we're going to need, about the time the doors open on this, we're going to be able to book you. So then how do we get up to get that money because we just maxed out our G7? So then, then we got to go back to them. We don't have a lot of cool things going on like this package does to be like, hey, we need to raise taxes. I think we have a really good chance of getting people to raise taxes with the things that are being proposed in this fall. And I don't think that if we go back in five, six years and we're like, hey, we need six more classrooms that we're going to have the likelihood of getting them to say yes to the second question. Board Vice President Marianne Schlaubaugh said the district could prepare to use sales tax revenue on a handful of the most essential projects in order to ensure they weren't at the mercy of a bond election. So the proposal that I had figured out that I was that I was talking about was that gym like the restrooms addition, the four classrooms at the middle school, the east elementary, 
and then the FCS. And that came to just a tad bit over 11 million. So that would be educational for the sales tax revenue and then bond for the rest. Because I did, I too did not want them to keep being pushed back right. and waiting because middle school really needs it. Yeah. So the nonprofit group Washington for Justice is preparing to distribute holiday meal kits in December, according to Associate Director Bethany Glinsman. Last year we had this idea because we were in the throes of the pandemic and uh, lots of our community members had lost their jobs, their, their, their hours had been cut, and so uh, budgets were tight. And we just thought this would be a good way to support uh, families in our community who could use a little extra help around the holidays. This year, even though, um, you know, I think some folks are feeling like we're returning to normal, we recognize that uh, food security really is an issue all the time, not just in a pandemic. And, um, you know, as our economy has started to recover from COVID, a lot of that job growth has been for the higher wage jobs and lower wage jobs have recovered at a lower rate. So there really is still a need to help um, you know, families who are still suffering impacts from the pandemic. Glinsman said she hoped the project would help families in need. Um, I think ideally these are for just families who could use a little bit of extra help around the holidays. So folks who've had their hours cut at work or maybe have lost a job or maybe decided to, you know, have one parent stay home with the kids during the pandemic. Yeah, really anyone who could use a little assistance around the holidays. While they plan to distribute the kits no matter what, Glinsman said donations and volunteers would be key. We have a goal. We don't know if we'll achieve it. So last year we gave out 63 kits in December. So we would love to meet that goal again this year. Um, but again, it's going to depend on the donations coming in. That's the local news. We'll be back with the best news I've heard all week right after the break. news I've heard all week. The Brighton Chamber of Commerce is kicking off a flurry of new holiday traditions this year. Chamber member Christy McCarter said new events like a light contest, house visits from the Grinch, and a Christmas tree lighting ceremony were a way to shake things up. So the things that we are starting to roll out this year, these are going to be annual events. We're starting new traditions for Brighton. Everybody does soup suppers and every, you know what I mean? Like this is something different that our community and surrounding areas have not done. So I think, you know, when it's something new and exciting, you know, people are more apt to be like, hey, let's check that out and see see what it's about. McCarter said the effort would bring community members together. You know, we want people to feel welcome coming to Brighton. We want to grow this little town. It's a great place to live. We've got awesome people here, you know, so we're trying to, get a community that is excited about itself and, and to see where we can go. 
Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is copyrighted property of the Southeast Iowa Union, which is owned by Gazette Communications Incorporated, a Foleyans company. If you want us to do an ad read or announcement during the break, give our office a call at 319-653-2191. You can also support the show by sharing it with friends and family and subscribing to it wherever you get your podcasts. That's all for now. This has been the Washington Weekly Review. I have been Kalen McCain. Have a great week.